Welcome to Enscope, the healthcare security podcast. Each episode, we bring you interviews, technical tips, and a unique point of view on the challenges facing the ever-changing healthcare ecosystem. Here's your host, Mike Murray. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Inscope, the healthcare cybersecurity podcast. As always, I'm Mike Murray, founder and CEO of Scope Security. With me this week is Dean Smith, and uh, I got introduced to Dean a few months ago, a close personal friend, and he's just one of the most interesting people I've gotten to talk to in the healthcare ecosystem in the last year. I, Dean spent much of the last 20 years at the U.S. State Department, where he was doing all kinds of things around uh, medical informatics and, and is now basically a medical informa- informatics consultant to the stars for all intents and purposes. He's the guy that sort of understands that space. And wherever, you know, I think about informatics and information flow and all of that sort of stuff, security comes in. And uh, we've had a couple of really great chats about security and information flow across the healthcare ecosystem. So figured we'd have Dean on and we'd just uh, shoot the breeze and see where we end up. But Dean, welcome. I, I hope my intro, you know, was was a good one. And, uh, you know, let, let me know how, how you're doing. How's life? Oh, it's good. Good, Mike. Thank you for your very kind uh, introduction. A little over the top. I'm not sure about <laughs> informatics to the stars, but um, but no, I've had a you know I've had a really wonderful career and and uh, very interesting experiences over over the last certainly the last few years, and it's a interesting time for for healthcare in general as you know we see it start to embrace technology, and obviously a challenging time too. And how do you embrace these technologies in a safe manner um, and Again, you'll speak to that here today or this morning, I hope. Absolutely. So for the security people on the call, and I, I actually think I had to ask you this the first time we talked, what is informatics? You know, not everybody here is going to know even what that field is. Sure. So informatics, medical informatics is literally the application of technology uh, to medicine, to medical care. And, you know, first right out of the gate, you think of electronic health records, and that's certainly everybody uh, I think is pretty conversant in that now. 90 plus percent of the United States healthcare providers use uh, electronic health records. So our, you know, our patients are using them now. They're using patient portals, et cetera. So, so that's informatics, but then there's a lot, it, it segues into a lot of different fields. And we're seeing it certainly with telemedicine now or virtual medicine. Uh, remote patient monitoring. Um, they're just anywhere you see technology and healthcare combined, that's informatics. That, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I think it's really interesting that if you, if you go back probably to when you started in your career, you know, in the, in the 90s and the 2000s, in the old days when we had paper records, it was pretty easy to secure. It was hard, you know, if you wanted to steal a million paper records, you needed a very large truck, right? You've sort of presided over the that transition from a security perspective. You know, I think it would be. I think there's a lot of people who would be happy going back to paper. But you know, what do you see as really the challenges as we've gone to this portable, you know, easily distributed way of getting that information? You know, how do you how do you think about the security challenge of that? Yeah, no, a great question. And, and I, you know, I do date myself a little bit because, as you rightly point out, you know, I did come up in healthcare with paper records and and have been there during this transition, during this journey to electronic records. Going back to paper themselves, because we hear this argument a lot, you know, paper is more secure. We should all go back to paper records. And certainly the, uh, you know, the EHR doomsayers and naysayers out there use that argument all the time. First, my first answer to that is, you know, 
tell me who looked in your paper chart yesterday, right? Who had access to it? What did they do with that information? You know, there's no traceability. There's no, there's no accountability. There's no auditing, real auditing capability. So, so that's, that under, exposes a serious flaw, if you will, to paper records right out of the gate. And, and then, of course, leveraging population health and, and, and metrics and all the things we can do if we have electronic structured data uh, just speaks to the power of, of EHRs in general and, and technology and medicine and it's here to stay we're not going back uh, that bell is not going to get unrung as as they say um, but my journey has been very interesting again you know coming up in the paper paper realm and then seeing the transition certainly in the 2000s the aughts uh, as the uh, US healthcare system embraced technology um, I had to, just, to do a little scrambling and actually ended up going back to, to school, if you will, and, and went and got a master's in medical informatics uh, because it, it, you know, it was a keen interest of mine. And, and uh, as you pointed out, then I, I parlayed that education, that background at the U.S. State Department where I was a medical officer in, in a leadership role and uh, effectively became chief medical information officer at, at State for several years. One of the things that I think is really interesting from an informatics perspective is that consistency of data seems to be a real challenge. And and from a security perspective, I mean, one of the things we've noticed is monitoring Epic, monitoring Cerner, monitoring Meditech. Ostensibly, they're all the same system, but, you know, or, or performs the same functions, but the, the data that comes out of them, the consistency on that makes it a hard challenge. And I imagine across the medical informatics field, you see that data consistency challenge in spades compared to what I'm looking at. You know, maybe talk about how, how do you solve that sort of problem around, around everything looking different and making it useful for, for sort of the common audience? Like, like you were saying, like population health across systems that have disparate data is, you know, that seems like a big challenge. Yeah, it's huge. And what you're speaking to is interoperability, which, you know, we, we don't have, and there's a lot of reasons that we don't haven't really been able to achieve that to any real extent in at least in the US marketplace um, obviously our healthcare system doesn't lend itself to that uh, right out right out of the gate there's lots of competition competitive reasons why we don't embrace interoperability so we don't embrace in interoperability of information so a lot of times patients information doesn't flow from system to system as they may move or change healthcare providers or systems and similarly there is lack of interoperability in terms of security and network security. And, and, you know, we're seeing this right now in the U.S. where we have some healthcare systems literally shut down in the last week or two because of security network flaws that they've experienced. So it's a huge issue. HHS, our Department of, of uh, Health and Human Services, has a whole division that uh, uh, um, informatics specialists that, that are working on this. There's, there's certainly some legislative efforts being uh, pushed right now to, to increase interoperability. And I think we'll get there, but it's a journey again. It's not, and it's certainly not one that's completed as yet. Well, and, and the thing that I think is interesting is, and you and I were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but these are all challenges so far that you and I have talked about that are within the four walls of the hospital. The new thing that we hear, I mean, that you hear all about is patient control of their own data, data portability for the patients to be able to take it with them, moving medical care to the home and uh, telemedicine. Like, you know, 2020 has been 
There was a healthcare CIO I was talking to a few months ago who said, we just underwent three years of digital transformation in three weeks. <laughs> and I know you're at the forefront of that and you spend a lot of time thinking about all sort of those sorts of ideas, but you know, maybe comment on, on sort of that challenge, like as we move outside the four walls of the hospital, it starts to be even more difficult to keep interoperability and security around this data. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, healthcare is, is uh, again, slow to the dance, if you will, and, and has been slow to embrace technology uh, in many ways. And we see that with the Internet of Things, if you want to use that expression, where, you know, whether you go into any hospital, certainly any intensive care unit, emergency room, surgical suite, you see a ton of devices, right? Monitors and defibrillators and pulmonary devices, et cetera, et cetera. Well, all of these are now being put on the network, being put online and being automated uh, for, for good reason. Um, and, and then you can then leverage that to move outside the walls of the hospital and anything you can do to keep a patient out of the hospital these days, certainly during COVID, is, is, is welcome news. But that does then expose new risks, right? It exposes uh, new network risks, new new uh, security risks that really have to be taken into account. And you know, taking a step back, healthcare in general has been very slow to embrace security. Right, a healthcare specialist, your average doctor, nurse, clinician is about taking care of the patient immediately. And a lot of times, the problems, let's face it, the problems are immediate. It's life, death, whatever. So it's about access, access to data, access to information. I got to have it now. I can't wait for a network patch to happen next week. You know, that'll, that's fine and good, but I need access. So if you look at the continuum of access of data and security of data, you know, healthcare is way out here in access and security is down the, down the, the totem pole, if you will. Now, that is changing, and that balance is changing, and I'm, I've certainly seen that in working at the U.S. State Department, which is obviously a very, um, uh, I don't want to say risk-averse, but, but, is, but is an entity, an organization that is very much keen on securing information. And I, so taking some of the lessons that I learned there, and I can now apply that as I advise clients and, and uh, entities about encryption at rest and, 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 and in motion and why is that important and what do you gain from that? You know, we're, we're seeing these cyber attacks right now. They're just really crippled, as I mentioned, crippled some, some healthcare systems. And there's real costs there. You know, there, there's monetary cost. Obviously, you lose productivity. You shut down your, your hospital essentially for a week or two, certainly for elective procedures. Um, that, that's a real hit to the bottom line. And you know, I just read one of the hospital network, one of the hospital systems near me, ha got recently, uh, you know, had a cyber attack. They have to replace over 2,000 computer systems now in in their network uh, that got infected, and you know, that's not going to come at a small price tag, right? No. Nope. And you look at so you look at the cost, you know, so there's financial costs, obviously a big hit, and and we may want to touch more on there's obviously a real patient cost right there's a you've got morbidity or mortality we saw the recent reported death in germany uh, as a result of a, a cybersecurity issue people get hurt with this stuff and that that you can't under uh, you, you can't underestimate that or under uh, under emphasize the importance of that but i think a, a third cost that gets um that doesn't get attention is a cost of loss of confidence. 
and it's a loss of confidence in the system. And you see it on the practitioners, the clinicians, you know, after they've had one of these ransomware shutdown attacks, they don't feel like they're, you know, do I want to put data in that EHR anymore? I don't know. I, you know, they may have to go in later and, and upload all kinds of data that got missed during the two weeks that they were shut down. But I think we also see a loss of confidence in our patients. They know, boy, is my data secure? Can I trust this? And we're having a hard enough time right now to embrace technology in healthcare. And so when you have a loss of confidence and trust in it, it really just makes that journey that much harder. Yeah, no doubt. And it's, it's, it's interesting when you talk to CEOs of hospitals, and, and I've had a few of these conversations lately, and, and you talk to them about how much they've spent, especially community hospitals, to, to build up the brand of trust with their patients, with their community, with their clinicians across the entire ecosystem. You know, they're spending millions, tens of millions in big systems, hundreds of millions of dollars to build this brand of trust with all those people. And you nailed it. We very rarely talk about the lack of confidence that, that is instilled when one of these events happens and how how much that could actually cost you, not, not just in terms of dollar values, but in terms of how much you wasted in the last five years that you just, you know, if I spent $10 million a year for the last five years, I can wipe that all out with one big incident. No, absolutely. And I, and I think, you know, the studies aren't there yet, but we will see long-term studies that look at that cost. And if I'm a patient, uh, and we're going to see this with COVID too, because there, there's similarities there. And we know that during COVID, hospitals had to shut down in terms of elective procedures. So if you were a patient who needed routine screening for colon cancer, you might put off your colonoscopy, right? Or your, your colon cancer screening test. You might put off, if you're a woman, you might put off your mammogram or some of these routine things. Well, you wonder how many conversations are going to be held in the future between a clinician and a patient where the clinician says, gosh, we missed, you know, we didn't get that colonoscopy done on you last year. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. you know, you got, you got something bad now. And that's a cost. And the same thing applies, I think, in these, some of these cybersecurity events where, you know, elective stuff gets turned off, loss of confidence, patients put off things. And down the road, there's going to be a cost to be paid. We don't know what that cost is yet. And again, I, th I think studies uh, in, the, in the coming years will look at it and, and tell us what that true cost is. But I, I don't think you have to think too far outside the box to, to realize that there is a significant pain ahead from, from this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So, so with that, let, let's not end on such a down note. We're, you know, yeah. you, you're, you're spending a lot of time thinking about telehealth and, and that sort of future. And I think there's, there's a real positive to that future. If for no other reason, then, then it does sort of distribute the security load a little bit, right? When you can get the patients outside the four walls, that, that creates a new threat environment, but it also potentially gives, you know, some interoperability up advantages. But maybe you just want to talk about, like, what do you see as far as the future of the hospital and, and the technological future? Are we pushing medical devices into the home and the like? Yeah, we are. We're not, we're certainly not there yet. And I think, come you know, check back in five, 10 years, we <laughs> realize we're in our infancy now. But there's that old adage, let no crisis go wasted. And we're seeing with COVID again, what can we do to, to, to move care into a virtual environment to the extent that it can be done safely with equal outcomes? Um, so that's happening even as we speak. There's, there's a host of regulatory changes that are, that are occurring to make virtual care, telehealth care much more 
user-friendly for the clinicians and the patients. So the regulations have been, I don't want to say relaxed, but, but certainly I think aligned with what the reality is. We're seeing pay parity where historically, you know, clinicians didn't get paid for, for telemedicine or for virtual care, at least to any, any degree close to what they would do on, on the inside the brick and mortar space. So all of these forces are occurring to push care out uh, concurrent with the technology itself, which, you know, Moore's law, everything is getting, you know, smaller, faster, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and so the devices can be taken home, can be, can be used to monitor patients and that data that can then be shared real time or asynchronously with nursing care, with specialists, you know, even globally. Um, so, th so there's a host of things that, that can be done. We're seeing, uh, I've seen some, some work on virtual intensive care units. Again, planning for COVID when, a, you know, when an ICU in a region, when ICU network hits capacity, what do you do with those patients? Uh, it's hard to move really critically ill patients three states away where they may have an open ICU bed. So how do you, how do you take care of some of these folks? So there's a, there's a, again, there's a host of things primarily driven by COVID, but, but also tethering into, into just the advances in technology we're seeing. And it's an exciting time. Uh, you know, again, it's all, not everything is doom and gloom. Um, and there's a lot that can be done to improve our security posture in healthcare. I think a lot of healthcare systems are are finally waking up to that fact. You know, all it takes is one, like like we were talking about, one of these ransomware uh, or denial of service attacks or whatever to kind of open the eyes of administration and say, oh my gosh, we, we got to invest in this. This is just as important as having, you know, surgical suites and, and all kinds of fancy toys. So... Absolutely. And, and with that, I, that was that was fantastic. And thank you so much. And thank you for being here today. Tell the audience where they can find more of you, you know, uh, oh, yeah, social well, media, I, things you're doing, things you're writing. Yeah, no, I, I so I, I, I actually, since uh, retiring, quote unquote, from State Department, I not uh, fully retired, I set up a little consulting um, LLC. Uh, it's called Cascade clinical informatics uh, referencing the fact that I'm I'm based out of uh, out of Oregon um, but I do a lot of uh, consulting and kind of in the federal space some international um, work um, serve as a chief medical officer consulting chief medical officer for a couple different organizations um, so that's that's keeping me plenty busy been you know, collaborating with um, with a specialist at George Washington University to to uh, write a book on virtual healthcare in in emergency medicine space, and that should be coming out soon. But uh, really, I mean, you know, LinkedIn, um, you can put it in Dean Smith and uh, Cask or Cascade Informatics, and pop up, and you can learn more about me there. Right on, and we'll put that in the show notes, and so uh, people can find you, Dean. Thanks again. This was this is fascinating as always, and uh, really enjoyed it. And, uh, we'll have you back on sometime and we'll talk about other things. I love it. Thanks so hey, much. Mike, this has been great too. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, it's, this is, all this stuff is moving so quickly. It'll be interesting to see what, next time we chat uh, where we're at. Exactly. So. Thank you so much. Okay. Take care, my friend. Thanks. Thanks for joining us for this episode of InScope. To make sure you never miss an episode, hop on over to www.scopesecurity.com to sign up. Or you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. And if you have ideas for topics, guests, or technical tips, please contact us at podcast at scopesecurity.com.